For many of us, food and preparing it is therapeutic, especially now during the pandemic. But few of us can probably imagine the power of communing in the kitchen to teach and heal the way Chef Pam Fanjoy has. My name is Mike von Massow, and this is the Food Focus Podcast. Chef Pam Fanjoy was a therapist and social worker first, and then studied to be a chef. She started and grown a food business that has been resilient through the COVID pandemic. Today's episode presents the second half of my conversation with Pam. We talk about her programs for young people and how she uses the kitchen as a metaphor for some of the challenges we all face in the broader world. I think what she's doing is remarkable, and I loved hearing about it. Before we go to the conversation, I'd like to thank you again for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you're inclined, give us a review, which helps others find the podcast. But for now, here's the conversation with Chef Pam. Hi, Pam. Thanks again for coming back. I very much enjoyed our last conversation, and I really felt like I needed to dig a little bit deeper into something that you raised and we didn't get a chance to chat about, which is the fact that in addition to your restaurant and food business, you have not only culinary classes uh, where people can learn to cook, but that you also, because of your history as a social worker and therapist, where you use cooking as a means of of connecting and, and helping people. Yes, you've touched on my passion point, uh, Mike, our junior chef program. We use cooking across the lifespan, really, but I think what's been kind of front and center during the pandemic that people are really taking notice of is the culinary therapy model that I have developed over the last three years in my FanJoy Junior Chef program here. So tell me a little bit about it. What the, so what does that look like? So, you know, food is all about connection, health, and well-being. And in our junior chef program, it's really pretty simple on one level. I'm using food to bring youth together to learn how to cook. But on top of learning how to cook, really fundamentally what they're benefiting from is connection with each other and learning the skills of life that our collaboration, communication, cooperation, and fundamental life skills about relationships and how to relate to one another. I've long been an advocate for improving culinary skills in young people. I think that we almost have a lost generation of young people, many of whom don't know how to cook. And that has implications for health. It has implications for, I mean, even food security in the long run for some of these kids. And I firmly believe that one of the best things that happened to my oldest son, although we tried very much when they were kids to cook as a family, one of the best things that happened to my oldest son was spending a summer working in a restaurant kitchen yeah. uh, where where he learned knife skills and he learned a passion for, I mean, he started as the dishwasher and then one day the prep cook didn't show up. And so he did a couple of shifts at the prep cook and they said, oh, you're good at this. Do this for a while. And then one day the line cook didn't show up and they said, oh, uh, you're going to do this. And, and he really sort of found this this opportunity to succeed, 
to create great meals, to prepare. He learned some knife skills, uh, which he came and insisted we all get better at. And he still, to this day, will text me photographs of the food he's making because he enjoys making a range of things so much. To me, that, that's been sort of one of the, the greatest ahas for me is that we can help people with those basic skills, but you're using it more broadly, not only to say you know how to cut a vegetable or, or create a, a stock or whatever, but you're saying that you're using it as a platform to, to, to enhance life skills too. Absolutely. So really what I've created with my culinary therapy model is a way to revolutionize how therapy is provided to youth and families who perhaps traditionally would not normally even go into therapy. They might not even have access to it or an inclination, a desire to go in and traditionally sit on a therapist's couch and talk. Uh, this began when I had my private practice in Toronto and Oakville, and I was working with a number of teens who, frankly, didn't want to be in therapy, and their parents were making them come and see me. And, you know, trying to reach those kids and help them understand how to improve their mental health and really even why it's important is a challenging thing, especially if they feel like they're forced to be there. So I became really, really interested in how I could use the cooking classes that I was myself taking at the time to become a chef. They were really interested in the fact that, you know, this 40-something-year-old therapist was going back to school and taking classes and somehow they could relate to that. So they got interested and asked me questions. And before I knew it, some of these more challenging youth, I ended up taking into the kitchen in my office and making things and simply doing what I've done for a long time as a therapist is using activity to create a more comfortable atmosphere for people to talk about things that are hard to talk about. And again, this is across the lifespan. We're talking today about the junior chef program, but it's no different when I bring a couple into my kitchen or I bring a group of office workers, a corporate team that are really struggling to work together into the kitchen. So we offer three programs in the junior chef. One is called the fundamentals. That's open to anyone. So lots of youth who just want to learn how to cook. You're, you're absolutely right. It's a a lost art. We're not teaching them in school anymore. Families are busy. Often parents don't have time to teach them. Or don't know themselves. Or they don't know themselves. Exactly. So the fundamental courses run four weeks at a time. We just ran our first two pilot programs for that at 10 Carden in Guelph, which was really exciting and uh, super great to be in your community. And we run them also in my culinary studio in Hillsburg, Ontario. And then those really focus on things like knife skills and fundamentals like making stocks and sauces and vegetable cookery, potatoes. And we're helping to learn what the challenges are for those youth just in their everyday lives. So they're by nature with our team here also getting the added benefit of some social work support, even though that's not what they fundamentally come to in the fundamentals course. The second program is our life skills program. 
Our life skills program has been designed really for youth who are struggling with a particular issue. So it could be depression or anxiety. It could be an eating disorder. We have a number of youth in the last year who uh, are benefiting from the life skills program that have autism, fetal alcohol syndrome, or some cognitive delays or learning exceptions. And in the life skills program, most classes tend to be longer. We have an intensive team program right now that we've been running since the pandemic. And a lot of youth, when they were out of school at the beginning of the pandemic, if they were already struggling with some anxiety or bullying at school, feeling of not fitting in, they really didn't want to go back to school in September. And so we created this program for particularly those kids and youth who were doing remote learning online that had really been showing severe struggles during the summer with the social isolation that the pandemic is creating. And so the Life Skills Program is running in Hillsburg. Currently, we are hoping to be launching that in Guelph in the spring or summer of 2021. And that program is run by a team of multidisciplinary staff here. So we have social workers, child and youth workers, art therapy, music therapy, and we've just brought on a registered dietitian. So the time that they spend here is split up between actual in-kitchen cooking lessons And then they also do group therapy programs to learn about relationship and communication. Fundamentally, everything that they do in the kitchen in my culinary therapy model is overlapped with lessons and programs that interact with cognitive behavioral therapy as a foundation. It's, pardon the pun, the full meal deal is you're giving them the skills to cope from a mental health or a social socialization perspective, but also giving them some sort of fundamental skills to survive in, in the broader world. Yeah, absolutely. So let me just bring it down to sort of some simple language. You know, I've basically been cooking up recipes here for the last three years, and I've considered my 25 years of experience as a youth and family therapist, and I have just intertwined them together. So when I create a recipe, say we're making beef bourguignon, one of the techniques of making beef bourguignon is searing your beef at the beginning before you do anything with the sauce. And when you sear your beef in a hot pan, you have to be patient. Everyone's natural tendency is to start poking around with a pair of tongs and start flipping the meat. But if it's not caramelized and seared, You're not going to get the same flavor profile and you're not going to be able to tenderize the meat when you do add the sauce in and braise it for three hours in the oven. So when we're actually cooking in the kitchen and I'm teaching them how to make this dish, we're also talking about the experience that they're having when they're cooking. I see them want to poke around the meat and turn it over before it's ready. And then we talk about that. And that leads us into a conversation about patience in their life. So tell me about when you have patience in your life and when you don't. How does that show up in your relationships? When does it get you into trouble? When does it make you not want to follow through with something? Like your schoolwork, because you're being impatient. So you end up doing something else. 
And then fundamentally, what are some ways I can help you work on developing more patience so that just like creating a great beef bourguignon requires patience, you're going to be able to achieve your goals in life by applying patience to some of those goals. So that's just an example. That's really cool. So you're you're using cooking almost as a metaphor uh, for for some of the other things. And I think exactly. what stri- what strikes me also is that you you for for many of these kids uh, and young adults are taking the pressure off of a quote unquote therapy session because it's it's incidental, right? Like you said, it's not just you and someone on the couch. It's the two of you or the group of you in the kitchen yeah. doing something and they're getting help in spite of themselves rather than rather than being sort of that being the focus. Right. It's fascinating to me and and I can see it really working well. Yeah, it's safe, right? It's um it it levels the playing field for everyone. It it creates a safe atmosphere for teens uh, or anyone to come together and have a conversation that doesn't have to be so stigmatized or threatening. It also levels the playing field between the person who's helping and the person who is being helped. It creates a team atmosphere where we are jointly working together to help that adolescent achieve the goals that they need to, to make their life successful. It becomes more complimentary. You're sort of shifting the roles. The other thing it does, I think, you know, one of the real challenges in our mental health system has always been accessibility and waiting lists. And because there's always more demand than there is service available, I really saw early in the pandemic, as I was interviewing parents and teens about their experience, that they were struggling and they need help now. Everyone during this pandemic is experiencing it now. And I really worry about particularly our youth who don't have the life experience that we do as adults to draw on their already established resilience during this stressful time. And we can't tell them to wait a year or two years for counseling. And unfortunately, because of the stress that's being put on our system currently, uh, I think that far too often happens. And my programs here, really one of our goals is to make it accessible for everyone and to have a more immediate intervention that helps youth and their parents. These are things that you can get right when things are acute. Exactly. So while we don't offer any, currently any emergency services, you know, not off hours or emergency if your child's in a crisis or suicidal, we are operating five to seven days a week with programs here now. And we are also providing services for parents. So one of the pieces of every session the kids have here is they take a meal home. And while that may seem like a small thing, there's actually quite a lot behind why we send a meal home with them. For some youth, it's about the fact that without even having to tell us, their family may be struggling right now with food security. They may have parents who are unemployed, who've lost their jobs, who have sent them to this program, but 
they're not sure whether they're going to have grocery money that week. And so we want to make sure that these youth are taking one healthy meal home. And the second part of it is for them to have the experience of contribution to their family. And the power that is behind being able to take a meal that you've cooked home, that's probably a pretty new experience, something you've never done before, and to serve it to your family and help when your family may be struggling during the pandemic is incredibly powerful. Just give you a sense of self-worth, Absolutely. right? And, and and of changing changing your role in that family yeah, and, and, and making a contribution. Yeah. So one of the things I'm hearing a lot from, from our youth right now is that they feel helpless. Yeah. And, you know, part of resilience and building resiliency is having a sense of purpose. Every day, if we have a sense of doing something that's productive and doing something that's purposeful, which is what I call the two P's, we know the research shows us that that helps fight against depression and anxiety. So this small act of taking a meal home that they've made here in our junior chef programs and serving it to their family and then coming back and sharing with our team what their family's reaction was is very, very powerful in giving these kids a sense of purpose and a sense of productivity. The other concrete example I can give you is is we do gratitudes. And gratitude is also something that we know goes a long way in improving mood. And so at the end of our uh, session, every day, the youth, before they leave, talk about a gratitude that they have. It could be something that is in their life in general, something about their family. It could be something about the class we had together or something that someone else in the class talked to them about. And that is also a very powerful thing that actually becomes a habit for these kids. And we do gratitudes when the parents pick them up. So the parents, while they don't participate actively in our gratitude session, they are there listening. And it's very impactful sometimes to hear the feedback from the parents after the fact of what it's meant to them to hear their kids stop and reflect and gain perspective just because they're being given a forum to do that within this culinary therapy program. Mm -hmm. This is really, really, uh, not to use too technical a term, uh, is really cool. And I can see it being powerful and impactful. And you're probably super busy as it is with kids and young adults. But it strikes me this could be helpful for, for just about anybody, especially in the current times. Yeah, absolutely. And and I would say that the FanJoy culinary therapy model really has been designed across the lifespan right now uh, because we are doing a lot of expansion with our junior chef program and there's a lot of interest. It's kind of what's in the spotlight right now, but I have used this with couples. Uh, I remember a couple who was given a, a gift certificate for a private class with me for their wedding gift. And we ended up doing a three-course meal together. It was just the two of them in the kitchen. And just by nature of, you know, what I do as a therapist, you get it whether you want it or not. When you You can't help yourself. Um, And so we were making an apple pastis. And one of the things you have to do with that is you have to get it really hot, boil the caramel, and then 
put a tray on top of your hot pan and you've got to flip it really fast so that it doesn't fall apart when you flip it onto the tray. If you're too slow, it will all fall apart. And, and so the wife was really apprehensive about doing it. And we ended up in this hysterical conversation, but very meaningful about commitment. And really what she needed to do when she flipped that dish was she just needed to commit. And we ended up having a wonderful, rich conversation over what commitment is. And so again, I'm just using strategically, using techniques that I have explored and paired with meaningful, research-based challenges that we know impact our mental health and our relationships. And I'm using that as a safe way to have conversations with people. Plus, they get to eat delicious food. And who doesn't want to do that? <laughs> yeah, it's a win-win. It, it just strikes me. I'm, I've really enjoyed this conversation and I've, I've learned a lot. It just it strikes me that that food is such an amazing, you know, I think about the dinner table when my kids were young and the dinner table when I was a kid and, and those conversations around food has always been sort of that, that, that catalyst to bring us together. And you've just taken it to another level here. And, and I, I think it's really interesting and, and really profoundly powerful. Yeah. The other, uh, the other sort of three groups that I've worked quite a bit with is uh, seniors um, so I've worked with a number of, it just happens to have been men who've lost wives to death and they're grieving. And these are men that, you know, may have been married 50 years yeah. and their wives were predominantly the ones who did the meal cooking. So now they are not only left with emotional grief, but they are left with the void of not knowing how to cook for themselves and not really having the appetite to eat. Yeah. And we know that your physical health impacts your mental health. So really now with the addition of our registered dietitian on our team here, we are also able to integrate both into the junior chef program, as well as some of our grief programs and our eating disorder services. Um, the whole piece around how different types of food impact different kinds of emotional well-being and medical issues. It's interesting. Uh, my mother passed in March of last year as she was in the hospital near the end. One of the things that was profoundly important to her was getting my dad into a retirement home. He's in his late 80s and, and starting to have some cognitive issues. I mean, I always joked that my dad would have struggled to keep himself alive at 35, let alone 85, just because, you know, that generation didn't learn to cook and didn't didn't learn some of those basic skills. And, and so I can really see how for a grieving man, not only having, having lost a partner of, as you say, more than 50 years, but then also struggling to make that adjustment to... How do I not only survive mentally, but survive physically uh, in, in the context of, of having to do some of the things that I've never had to do before? Right. And I think when I work with that population, one of the things that I really enjoy and also feel passionately is 
fundamentally needed is the combination of both. These are men that um, I remember the last group of four men that I worked with, uh, all 50 year plus marriages, all grieving. I can guarantee you none of those men would have ever gone in to see a therapist or gone to a grief group. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And if they weren't eating well, they would not have been able to process the depth of their grief in the ways that they could once their eating got back on track. And within the first half hour of having four of them in a kitchen together, we were in a conversation about their wives. And they were able to cook and cry and talk and build friendships and connections. And we know that connection and having companionship in any form helps depression. So right now, again, during the pandemic, you know, people are isolated and that is fueling depression. And whether it's our youth in our junior chef program or whether it's seniors or online programs, the fact that food can bring us together, but also nourish our bodies. We are really trying here with all of our programs to take an inclusive approach to looking at using our culinary therapy to nourish body, mind, and soul. Wow. Powerful. I, I admire your approach. I can, I can really see intuitively the strength of that approach. And uh, I'm fascinated. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation with me today. Oh, super happy to be with you, Mike. Thank you for having me. As we wrap up, I'm going to give you an opportunity to tell people where they can find information on these programs, uh, if they're in the neighborhood, or if they just want to read a little bit about them and see if there's something wherever they are listening. Where can they find info about these programs? Absolutely. You can check out my website at chefpanfanjoy.com or just simply pick up the phone the old-fashioned way and give us a call at 519-308-0900 and you can talk with any of our team members here. Perfect. Chef Pam, thanks for taking the time to have a chat with me. I, I, I really enjoyed it. This has been one of my favorite episodes and I really appreciate you taking the time. As we wrap up another episode, I want to take a moment to thank Max Graham. We get to have the interesting discussions, and he does the hard work to make us sound good. I also want to thank Zach Von Masso for the original music that we use in the podcast. Check out foodfocusguelph.ca. We have a blog that is updated regularly and our Food Focus trend report as well. You can contact us through the website or at foodfocus at uoguelph.ca if you have any questions or suggestions. We appreciate our audience and your recommendation. It helps us grow. If you are so inclined, give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Reviews move us up the ladder and help others find us. That's it for now. Thanks again for listening and stay in touch.